Hey, y'all. Little editor's note. Um, so sorry about the audio quality of this episode. My beautiful, wonderful, very helpful boyfriend um, got some new equipment for me to try out and put it together, and it just, uh, it was a miss. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that he fucked everything up. I'm not saying that he, you know, got in the way and made everything worse. I'm not saying that. No, I'm not. Because I know his intention was to be helpful because he's a sweet little bean. But uh, let's just say it was a miss. So the audio, it might sound a little weird this episode. You can thank Jordan Hill for that. I love you, Jordan. Stay out of my podcast. Thank you, honey. Okay, let's begin. Globe Thotting with Chelsea Frank. Welcome to Globe Thotting, another amazing week. This week we have certified badass, hot ass bitch, professional leisure athlete, as she has dubbed, comedian, filmmaker, all of the above. You're like a sports girl. You're so cool. You're funny. You're making cool movies. You're out there in the snow hanging with the boys. It's Katie Burrell, everybody. Welcome, Katie, to the podcast. Thank you. That was a really nice intro. I feel really good about myself at this moment. Um, Yeah, I was so flattered when you reached out. I was so happy to be on the podcast. Do you consider yourself a global thought? You know what? I didn't until I heard the title of your podcast and then was like, wait, I wish I'd thought of this because this is definitely this is definitely me. So ever since coming into contact with you, yes, I do identify as a global thought. Although hadn't realized it. You know, a thought is like a journey we all have to go through in our lives, a global thought, especially. It's like, it doesn't matter when you come into thoughthood. It just matters how you attack it once you're in. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like, I just find like, different places, thought takes on like different meanings. Like how you thought in Italy is like very different than how you thought in Revelstoke, BC, or how you thought in Montana is very different than how you thought in like New Zealand. So God, that's so deep and true. No one said that. How do you thought like on a slope? Like since you are, as you call yourself a professional leisure athlete, which we will get to, which I love that term. I think it's just perfect. Um, how would you spot a global thought on the slopes in the wild? I completely understand your question. I'm going to try really hard not to answer all of your questions just like as a bit because it's like so tempting to just be like in bit mode with you. Um, But I because I'm like answer this seriously because I actually think this is important and relevant information. Um, So I've been lately saying that I am trying to bring back the ski bunny, but she's empowered. So it's like being really into tightfitting clothes like cute puffy jackets like your hair done your nails done like cute goggle like the whole look having a look but also being like a shredder and a badass and like not necessarily like prioritizing looking good to you know performing at a high level for with within like your given sport whatever it may be but having like 
getting a kick out of or like enjoying looking good while you're doing it and like understanding what ski fashion is for like the hardcore versus like our like Prada goggle wearing like Aperol spritz, Aperol bunnies in like Europe, influencery vibes, like finding that kind of like happy medium where you're like, I have a matching kit and my stuff is dialed, but like, it's also waterproof and I can like actually spend a full day out here if I need to skiing or snowboarding or doing whatever, sledding, doing whatever it is that you do. Um, But yeah, just like leaning a little bit more into like the, the vibe you're giving off, which like can largely come from like how you put together a ski kit or a snowboard kit. And there's so much like, fashion influence in these sports already like if you look at like skateboard culture you know surf culture snowboard culture ski culture like they all have these distinct histories when it comes to fashion how the how the actual equipment came together how the clothing came together and it's really fun I think to like express yourself not only as a skier or as an athlete but also expressing the creative sides of yourself that in in how you present like your uh how you present your your physicality. Does that make sense? Totally does. You're kind of the Elle Woods of the slopes, you know? <laughs> like you're kind of giving me Elle Woods if she went to like a Park City ski resort. Yeah, like smart, thoughtful, but like pretending like it's not hard, even though it is. Do you know what I mean? Like the what, like it's hard bit of it? Yes, I love that for you. We're gonna get into a lot of this because I think it's really interesting and I think it's really cool what you're doing. But first, we have some opening questions for the pod. If you're if you're down, do you have like a pretty epic um, diarrhea story while traveling that you'd care to share? I unfortunately do. When I was in Peru in 2014, traveling by myself, and I had gone to this surf town called Huanchaco, and you know when you like pull someone who's like just slightly out of like what's reasonable for you to pull, like it happens, but they're just like. And, and not to, you know, objectify ourselves and focus on the physical, but they're just hotter than you. And they're just hotter than you usually hook up with. And for whatever reason, the stars have aligned and that person is interested in you. And all you need to do to hook up with them and close is not get in your own way, like not psych yourself out and just be able to just go with it. Like, don't question it too much. They want to bang you go with it. So this was happening to me, this like six foot four, blonde Californian surf god who was also like a like a physiotherapist like he had like a cool he was like smart he'd gone to Berkeley it was all these things like it was bizarre to me that he was talking to me I was like please sir are you lost like what what what, how have we gotten here and uh we fully met like bumping into each other coming around a corner like there was a whole meet like both holding our surfboards like bumped into each other like full surf romance meet cute we go surfing. He's like, you know, I'm, I'm decent enough at surfing that I can like not totally turn someone off of wanting to see me after we get out of the water. Like, I'm not just like, a like a hazard, you know? Um, so we get out and he's like, yeah, do you want to come for dinner? I have this like Airbnb and yada, yada. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to. So I run to the market to make guacamole as like something to bring. And I didn't put this together till after, but Long story short, the garlic that I put in the avocado, or sorry, in the guacamole was rotten. Like for sure, that's what it was. It was rotten garlic. We're in his Airbnb, which is a one bedroom 
studio thing with the bathroom like inside of it and we're eating this guacamole and we're chatting and i'm like this is insane i can't believe this is gonna happen and all of a sudden it's like oh i gotta go and i'm like can i use your bathroom he's like for sure i go into the bathroom i realize like the paper thinness of this studio airbnb bathroom situation and i'm like i can't shit in this guy's airbnb while he just sits there drinking a glass of wine waiting for me to come back out i'm like i i can't so i like i i kind of realized like how aggressive this shit's gonna be and so i was like i need to evacuate with a good reason that allows me to come back so i come out of the bathroom and i'm like literally like shitting myself while I'm talking and I'm like I gotta go I gotta go I I forgot I had to whatever I made up some sort of reason he's like okay like weird like will I see you tomorrow I'm like mm-hmm, for sure yeah maybe I don't and I start to shit mm-hmm. so I just like book it like mid sentence this guy like shit I'm shitting and I just I'm like running down the road shitting I go back to my hostel go into my room and I like shit and puked on myself for like an hour, like an hour, maybe longer. All like it went on on all night until there was nothing left in me except for my organs and like some vital fluids. And then I woke up in the morning and I was just a wreck. And I was like, well, I need to eat. Like it had been like 24 hours, or whatever. So I take myself to a cafe like down the road and I'm just like sitting there. And he walked in and we fully did the thing of just like, pretending we didn't know each other or maybe I led on that I don't know I can it's all a blur at this point I was 24 but I will never forgive myself for like choosing that garlic out of all the garlic I could have chosen that garlic just like sabotaged one of what could have been like you know a really beautiful relationship in my life and I shit in his I shit in his kitchen while I was exiting instead (laughs) I can't this is like a heartbreaking story like yeah. I'm moved. I'm almost moved to tears. <laughs> I am honestly, that is so pain. I'm so sorry you had to go through oh. such trauma. And you can't be like, I have to shit, but I'll be back if you still want to fuck later. Like there's no way to be like BRB. Like if you still want to, if you still want to put it inside me, like that'd be great because I have to like go shit a ton. But God. if he ate that guac, do you think he also got the shits that night? Well, I had the theory that the reason that it was so weird in the cafe the next day when we saw each other was because the same thing happened to him. Yeah. And he was like a train, like he was a wreck and I was a wreck and we were both just like a shell and it was like, I can't. But he also fully like witnessed me. Shitting your pants. While we were like, I'm like making eye contact with him. Like I'm, I'm leaving. I'll be right back. And like made some sort of cagey excuse that was like very obviously that I was just pooing myself. I really want you to know that while it may have tore up that relationship you had with him, it's bringing you and I really close together. <laughs> so that's that's the benefit of this thing because I feel close to you right now. I really do. I feel close to you. I'm Man. so sorry that happened to you, but thank you so much for your vulnerability and, and to share that because I think everyone is listening who's had a story. Like everyone has had some kind of epic shit story. And I really do believe like that's how you know who the real ones are. If they're willing to get through that with you and still love you for it, that's a real... So I want you to know I still love you for it, even though you shit your pants in a Hawkeye's kitchen. Okay, now my second opening question. Um, do you have a, do you have a, another like epic fight story? Or if you don't have anything where you've like gotten into a huge fight while traveling, just something that really annoys you while traveling. 
I was traveling with my girlfriends. We were in Ecuador and we went to this, I don't know what you'd call it, like music festival in a sacred valley kind of vibe thing. And she ran into a guy that she had met on a beach in another part of the country, like 10 days earlier and they'd had a connection and then they meet each other. I don't know this. I don't know this. She and I somehow wrangle up some, I don't know if this is like a drug friendly podcast. I'm sorry, but we it's a super up. drug friendly podcast. Okay. <laughs> we're we, funnier. We were in like, you know, an experimental phase of our lives. We wrangled up some MDMA. I had never, I had done it like once in college. We got some MDMA. We took it. She disappears. Disappears. I'm going up on MDMA simultaneously thinking I have like lost my friend to like the depths of the underbelly of the drum and bass music movement in Ecuador in some sort of, you know, desert valley situation. And the people that were like finding, like helping me try to find her were like all on peyote and whatever. And as I'm going up on MDMA, I'm like, this is fucking insane. I love this drug. And I went and found the guy and I was like, how much more do you have this do you have and he was like this much I was like I'm gonna buy it all like I was like, this is the best thing in the world I'm just gonna buy all of your MDMA and so I bought all this guy's MDMA I gave it to the rest of the people that were like in this ad hoc search party for this girl and we like spent the majority of this night looking for my friend who I thought was like kidnapped or disappeared you know turns out she had run into this guy from the on the beach like 10 days earlier and just spent the night like banging him in the woods I wasn't really, I don't even call it the woods, like, like the desert, the, the, the expanses of the desert. And in the morning, I was so fucking like aggravated, but also because I was non-confrontational, even more so when I was younger, I was just like bottled up angry. And I had also gotten into my own tryst in the evening with this, you know, very sort of questionable individual, you know, MDMA makes you, helps you. <laughs> as you making decisions you maybe wouldn't otherwise. And so I also needed birth control in the morning. <laughs> he and I, he and I had to get on the back of this like sheep cart to like take it into the village to like get illegal birth control. Cause you like, can't get it in that, like, you know what I mean? And there was a lot going on and she was, I had found her and I was just like, you're selfish. And that was it. And then I like got on this sheep cart with this, random dreadlocked individual I had met the night before making drum. I made a drum with him. We fell in love. It was, you know what I mean? And then she and I had to like find each other via like internet cafe emailing. This is like 10 years ago <laughs> and no one had a phone. And so we were like internet cafe emailing to like try to find each other. And when we found each other, we went to this buffet and sat in silence for so long with these massive plates of food. And then the, just like totally had it out. Like, no more prioritizing hooking up with dudes on this fucking trip when we're in the middle of nowhere. Like, so I would say my like, yeah, there's obviously a lot more details to that story that I could like drone on about. But the the nugget, the takeaway is my biggest pet peeve is when you're with girlfriends and they fucking bail on the itinerary or the shit you had planned to go bang random dudes. It drives me fucking nuts. I'm like, I'm all about hooking up, living life, loving it, but you can't just go missing. You can't no, you go can't go rogue because that's how you end up a CNN headline. You know, 100%. like I don't want to look, I, it's not about slut shaming or trying to not uh, kill the vibe. It's like, you don't want to worry 
that it's now like your friend's gone taken. Like, it's just like, you need to know what was happening. Just say, yeah. I'm going to go fuck the guy in the wilderness. I'll be back totally. by 9 a.m. Now we have like air tags and shit that we can just put on our slutty friends and be like, we'll see you in the morning. Do you know what I mean? But 10 years ago, it was very much more like, now I have to like stay in this random town for three days while I like wait to locate you, internet cafeing you while I like manage family planning with this pirate. You know what I mean? Like it was just too much. It was too wait, much. Wait, so you had to get plan B in, the, in like the middle of Ecuador? Mm-hmm. Did they have, they had, is that plentiful? I mean, I imagine that's like not the easiest thing to locate. No, it's not. And it's like, it wasn't entirely legal, which was how, which was how it was communicated to me by this Ecuadorian guy. He was like, ah, it's not like entirely legal, but it was like, we had a language barrier. There's a lot going on. So I just gave him a hundred bucks and was like, come back with whatever you can find. And he, and I was like, I either just give this man a hundred dollars and never see him again. Or like he comes back and anyway, he came back with it. He went to like some back road thing and got something like, I just took it too. I was like, what am I going to do? What am I going to not take this and call my parents and be like, I got pregnant because I was on MDMA at a music festival in the desert. No. So I took it. I took a lot of risks as a young woman. Um, How did you know it was plan B and not just like a sugar pill? I don't, I didn't. Like it was just, was it like just a pill or was it in a package? No, it was like in a package. Like it was like in a package. It was like plan B, like legit. Mm -hmm. So you're, you don't have an Ecuadorian child is what we're. No, I don't. I don't. He was Italian, Puerto Rican and Ecuadorian. That was his. Hot. Yes. Very hot. Very much. You know, attachment style is just attached. Just like we are. (laughs) in love and this is happening right now and i've never felt like this like he was just very i'm like imagine being a person who has those the kind like the passion influences of those three cultural like places within one entity his attachment style is i'm gonna get you pregnant upon arrival that is the opposite of avoidant i'll say that much that guy if you're an anxious attached person this might be your dude he was so ready for children upon like literally meeting. Like he was, we are, this is it. This is a great story. I have to say you coming out hot with two very good stories. <laughs> and I will say like, I love that we have the full scope of something coming out. We have something coming in. We might've even had something grown to life. Like we're really like, this is a pro- this is becoming like a very primal episode. I think we all know, like, Katie's cool. Like, she can hang. She can come on the girls' trip. Like, she knows how to hang. I think that's what we've learned from these opening questions. <laughs> now I really want to get into, like, more about you and your, like, your story. Like, I think what you're doing is very cool. Genuinely, think, like, it's very fa- – I am famously the least athletic person. Um, oh. I, have a, I have a deeply Jewish body that does not know how to do adventure sports. Like I tried skiing for the first time very recently and had a full-blown panic attack. So I oh, don't no. understand like how, well, it's like you're falling down a mountain. I know. People are like, pizza, pizza. And I'm like, what the fuck are you all talking about this? I'm not going to pizza. I'm going to fall down and that's how I'm going to stop. Were you always into sports? Like you're from Canada. Like, are you from a place where like, that's a big part of the culture? Like, tell me a little bit about how you grew up and how you got into adventure sports. 
For, yeah. So British Columbia, I grew up in BC, British Columbia, which is on the West coast of Canada. It's like washing up right up in Washington, which I'm doing this because I know Americans like really struggle with geography outside of their own country. So I'm just walking you guys through it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> BC is like a breeding ground for professional athletes. It feels like, like growing up, I grew up on Vancouver Island and I had multiple friends go on to be Olympians, professional mountain bikers, professional snowboarders, professional skiers. Like there's just something like really about the culture of being outside in this province that just kind of like breeds it. It really encourages it. BC is crazy. It's like the clit of Canada. Like, it's just like, everything is centered here. It's just so good. It's beautiful. It's, it's just like so intense. Um, mountains, lakes, rivers, streams, like you got the whole thing. I was always like into outdoor sports. I went to university in Montreal though. I went to McGill in Montreal and, um, I think I did that. Well, one, it's a very good school, but two, I was like, if I go to a UBC or a school near the mountains, I'm just gonna fuck off and never study. So I went to school in Montreal, which is where I discovered stand up comedy and, sketch comedy and improv and creating video and I was like skipping my classes to do this stuff and I was like okay this is so obviously more interesting to me than political science so um I thought seriously about working in production and I went and worked in commercial production in Vancouver after college but I still had this like obsession with the mountains and so I got jobs in heli ski lodges and in those heli ski lodges I would do like dinner time entertainment and like there was another uh guy that worked in the house or worked in the lodge who was a comedian from Australia and he and I started running these like outrageous dinner time entertainment like situate like scenarios and we and I'll never forget like this couple from Chicago was like yeah we go to second city like every Friday and this was like just as funny if not funnier when I was living in Vancouver I was doing stand-up comedy like you know, trying to like get into the circuit and starting to tour to like small towns in BC and whatever, do like bar shows and whatever. <clears throat> and I went through this massive breakup and kind of realized I was like splitting my energy way too much between being like this outdoorsy person and this comedian, stand up comedian, and having a marketing job and trying to manage a relationship. And I moved back to Revelstoke and I was like, <clears throat> I'm just going to try to blend the worlds. Anyway, I just started creating these video pieces and they just kind of took off. And we started making, we made a short document. We made a couple of short documentaries, but like in this co comedy style, it's not like mockumentary necessarily. It's like a comedy documentary where I was like narrating these events with like a comedic slant in this outdoor world. And we, we really just did like some genre blending and, and, and experimenting and some of it flopped and some of it just like totally went and we've just been kind of like just kind of pursuing that ever since and so it was really about like taking all these things that I love and am attracted to and figuring out a way to like combine them so I could just pursue them more wholeheartedly. So you um, kind of t coined this term the professional leisure athlete. Can you talk a little bit about what that means exactly? creating a like rejection of going so hard and feeling like you were never good enough and and instead creating like a space for like accepting yourself where you're at and that still being okay and trying to find like 
a way to celebrate that. So you say like, you know, I had a panic attack, like skiing. It's like, well, the leisure athlete movement is about like you doing one run and that being like amazing and celebrated versus like you having to compare yourself to a pro skier, pro snowboarder and being like, I, I suck. Why I don't belong here. So it's got this like really sort of like inclusive ethos to it, but it, it really was born out of my own personal like struggle with like, what's my identity within this space and, um, and feeling like I want to, I want to feel good when I go out and do these activities without, um, yeah, without feeling like triggered all the fucking time, basically that I'm at the back of the pack or that I can't keep up, you know, and, and, and celebrating the elements around the sport as well as just the sport itself. So what, how, how have you dealt with like being in such male dominated fields and resisting the urge to sort of like prove yourself even more or be even better? Like, how did you escape that, that temptation to sort of go even harder, but like flip that and go, you know, honestly, I'm just going to like lean into being like, maybe I'm not as good and it's, and it's better in some ways to not be, not have to go that hard. I have struggled with it. I mean, I struggle with the feeling of being judged and the feeling of being misunderstood and the feeling of being like, you know, put in a box or like, oh, she's just that, or she's just that, this or whatever, versus being like, no, like I am multitudes and I am expressing myself and I am multidimensional and I'm going to change and et cetera, et cetera. And I think like, as you say, like this rejection of, um, this rejection of the going harder and going in the other direction, it felt very like rebellious to me. And I've worked with like, you know, astrologers and spirit guides and done all this woo woo shit. And I've also, you know, looked at just like the basic evolution of society and how the male gaze has fucked or skewed the way that we interact with the world. And so the combination of those things like allowed me to kind of like lean into this, like, you know, you use the word rogue earlier, like this rogue or rebellious kind of nature that to me, gender goes away. It's like, I'm, 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 I'm truly leaning into like an energetic existence that any person can find within themselves or can find outside of themselves and connect into. And it's about, it's, it's honestly about acceptance. And, and it's, it comes from a place of like, I do this for myself. I struggle with self-acceptance. Therefore, I created this, you know, this identity for my own, like, survival. And it was like, when I put it out into the world, it was like, holy shit, like, so many other people feel like this. You too could also be terrible at mountain biking and still love it, you know? Like, you could get in on this. As somebody who just like loves the outdoors and loves sports, you probably know a lot of really cool spots for people to check out, you know, skiing, snowboarding, hiking. Like what are some of the some of the most beautiful and epic places that um, being a professional leisure athlete has taken you? And like, do you have any recommendations on where people can go? And um, one of the coolest places that I have been to ski is Andorra, actually, which I don't like embarrassing but I literally didn't know it existed I don't know what Andorra is it's a country it's like it's like a tax haven first of all but it's a country in between France and Spain like it's like this little pocket thing and it's 
they've filmed like bond movies there and stuff and it's like very like mountainous and landlocked and super wealthy but also has this like weird like uh has this like weird time travel vibe to it where you it feels like you're in like the 80s like it doesn't feel like you're in the 1500s it feels like you're in the 80s but it's also like very modern it's really it's hard to describe but there's really 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 cool skiing there and biking and one of our down days we went and we just we we're like oh let's go check out this ski resort and we got on a gondola that took us up into the clouds and it was like super foggy we couldn't figure out where we were so we skied down we skied down another thing we got up on the chair we don't we realized we get to this map we are in this like 30 plus chair network of runs and ski areas and restaurants and bars and clubs and in and it crosses over into the into spain and it crosses over into france and we were like where the fuck are we and we thought we skied out back to where we had parked we skied out to like 30 minutes away from our vehicle like it was just this massive expanse and it was really mellow fun skiing and you could like roll up to bars and dance on a patio for a bit and then keep skiing. It was like magic. And we were like, Andorra, this is so cool. And it just felt very like otherworldly, you know? You can do a bar crawl on skis? Yeah, it was this very cool, like it must have had 30 or 40 chairlifts and you could just cruise around and explore. It doesn't even feel like skiing. It feels like walking around in a city, but on skis and going to different places. Skiing doesn't have to be like really hard and intense and cold and wet. It can also just be like really chill and enjoyable and a way to move your body without like necessarily needing to exert yourself. Do you have any other places like Andorra? Cause that sounds really <laughs> cool. Like other places where you can combine like a travel leisure act, you know, fun time, partying, having a great time with like, it doesn't have to be skiing, it, snow. it could be any other thing. Like, is there anything else like that? Yeah, I mean, Punta Mita in Mexico, Punta de Mita, sorry. Okay, so Punta Mita is like, from what I understand, it's like where like Jennifer Aniston and the big, big A-listers holiday. So there's like a St. Regis, a Four Seasons, a Conrad, like a Hilton, like all of these super high-end resorts plus there's like these private houses that are like twenty-five thousand dollars a night and that is Punta Mita. and then there's the village right next to it where everyone that works in these resorts lives and so the village is very chill like dirt roads taco stands um you know the real deal and then there's like the the front right on the beach is has that in, has that like four seasons influence i call it where there's like a higher price point for the food and the the service is like you know impeccable and it's a little bit more i don't know bougie bougie um but then you can get like a you can still get like a cheap hotel room or an airbnb or a condo and have access to the beach and have access to all that like fine dining and go if you want to go to the four seasons for brunch you can or to the for a drink at the st regis you can but then there's also this like really chill beach break. There's like, so this is to surf and eat and live life is my recommendation uh, at this place. But it's like really mellow beach break. And then there's like a heavier beach break. Then there's a reef break. Like, so you can, you can like land here and you can 
just eat and drink and enjoy yourself on the beach. Or you can like, it's like the best place to like slowly develop your surfing. Let's say like I'm a person who's like, I've never surfed before. Let's say I'm like, really, I'm scared. Like, I don't want to look like a dumbass. Like, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to say. I don't even know what I need. Like, what is a way to do it where I'm not going to feel like a total fucking loser out there? I mean, I have to say, like, I think that people have a lot of pride when they travel in terms of like doing the research themselves, like figuring it out on their own. And I just don't have that. I'm like, I get to these places and I'm like, who can I talk to who is a coach or a teacher or a guide? Like I am that to me, I always factor factor those into my travel budgets because I'm like, the time you waste being scared of a new spot or not understanding the nuances of a new spot or how to be in that spot, like you just, you just kill that with hiring a guy. Like I had the best experience in Punta Mita because I reached out on my via Instagram, like, does anyone know a surf coach in this place, in this area? And I got recommended this guy, Alfredo. And the, and Alfredo picked me up in my hotel and we drove out in his RAV4 to this break. And he's like, so tell me like why you wanted a coach or like what, what's going on? And I was like, I've had call it three proper, like near drowning experiences, surfing, like getting bashed against the rocks in Barbados and getting stuck, having my leash break in Puerto Escondido and getting like stuck in a spot and having some guy swim to me and go look at me in the eyes and go, do you trust me? And me just be like, okay. And him grabbing my hand and like swimming me out underneath the break for like 150 feet. Like I've had some scary ass, like surf experiences. And I was like, I need the bunny hill. I'm 34. I need the bunny hill. Like take me back to the basics and just like hold my hand kind of a thing. So until I feel like I can swim again, you know what I mean? And he just took me this break, like no questions asked. And we just surfed there for like a week and a half until it was like, okay, like, I'm okay in the water again, you know, and just meeting Alfredo and spending that extra bit of money and having a person like, if someone like yells at you in the lineup, like, he's got your back. Like, if you paddle out in the wrong spot, he's telling you go this way. Like, same with guiding, like snowpack is a whole thing. Like, if you're gonna go into the backcountry, like, and you just land in a new place, like I was in Utah, like two weeks ago, filming, and I'm like, Hey, if we're going to go into the backcountry, like we're just hiring someone, we're not going to waste our time trying to read the reports and figure out the snowpack and dig pits and do all this shit to like put ourselves in danger. Like you just strip the ego out of it and just like hire someone that's local to that area, you know? And there's so many people that are making a living doing that. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm such an advocate for local guides. Great tip. Do you, can you tell me a little bit more about those experiences? Like, you know, those like where you almost drowned. I mean, three different times. <laughs> uh-huh. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, one in particular was like probably the scariest and it was in Bathsheba, which is the East coast of Barbados. I met this guy who was like a spear fisher and surfer and who knows what else. And he took a liking to me and he was like, I'm going to teach you how to surf the East coast, which is like kind of an art, like it's just kind of scarier. It's kind of a more intense break and being young and naive and trying to look cool. I was like, okay, I can totally handle this when realistically I probably shouldn't have been out there. Um, which is also like, whereas an older woman, I'm like, 
just be honest because you need to not die, <laughs> you know? Um, and so he and I paddled out this break. And as soon as we got into the paddle, I feel like he could tell, like, she's not super strong paddling. And so he came in, he came back to me and he said, like, grab my, instead of just being like, let's pull the pin, like maybe this is too gnarly of a paddle. He was like, hold on to my leash. So I held on to his leash and he like paddled, like helped me get out past the break, which was just like massive pounding. To me, it was like, I'm looking up at towers. It was probably like a six foot wave, but it felt like fucking insane to me. And I had surfed all of like, you know, two years at that point. But we like paddle out. And when the waves are big you, to get out, you have to go so far to like get past the break, right? So I'm like sitting out there. I can feel like I can see the entirety of this island, like from tip to tail. I'm like, we're so far out here. And he was like, well, yeah, one of the things you need to learn as a surfer is like, you're not actually going surfing, you're going paddling. Like you have to be like paddler before you're a surfer, you know, like walk before you can run. So I was getting this like lesson from him while he was like really just trying to sleep with me. So I'm like trying to be cool and whatever. So we paddled for so long that he, cause he was like trying to drill this home to me. He exhausts me basically. I'm exhausted, but I'm like too young and proud to say anything. So then we get a set rolled in and I'm fucking exhausted. And he's like, you're going to catch one of these waves. Like he's getting a kick out of it. Right. Like he's just having fun being like, I'm teaching this girl. Like she's, you know, I'm having fun with this. And he pushes me on to easily the biggest wave I've surfed to this day. Like it was overhead. It was like great. It was massive. And I just stood up and just held on for dear life. Like surfed the wave wipe out at the bottom of it. And then it's just like, I, I don't, I don't know how to like control my board at this point to like get up off the back of the wave and start paddling back out and like get into a safe zone. So I just like eat shit in the white water, get sucked into basically this massive rock and this reef and the waves are like, he pushed me onto the first or second wave of the set. So there's like more waves coming and I'm just getting like slammed against this rock and my board is leashed to me and it's like, it's like hitting me, which is like throwing me against the rocks. And then I would like get the board and like just adjust it and another wave would come. And so me and the board would like hit the rock together. So I was getting like plowed backwards with the board, like against the rock kind of, it was so intense. And this went on for like, I think like two sets. I was in there for like, I want to say it was half an hour. And I was just at some, at one point I just had given up. Like I was like, I'm just going to push my feet off this rock. I don't know until like my strategy was just like, I had turned myself around and I just like let myself go towards the rock and I hit the rock with my feet and I would push off of it. Like it was insane. And this, this happened for like, yeah, it, was, it felt like half an hour I was in there. I was getting really, really tired. And literally he came in, like he came into the zone. was like, get on your board. And I got on my board and he like, grabbed my or he's like hold on to my foot I held on to his foot and he paddled me out he saved my life and then I was stuck out there for like so long and I was too scared to go back in so he like I was like I'm not surfing another one of those waves in so we like paddled like 150 or 200 feet to this like other part of the beach and then like walked all the way back that, that was is insane. horrifying first of all he saved your life no he like put your life at risk and then yeah. dealt with it. 
But like, holy shit. It was really scary. I'll never forget it. That is that real, was- I'm that is very scary. That is very scary. Oh my god, I'm so glad you're okay. I do not. This is why I stay on land. <laughs> this is why I stay at the mall. Okay, we have a fun little segment. We have some listener questions. The first one comes from Emma. Let's see what Emma has to ask. As a professional leisure athlete, how do you strike the balance when you're going on a trip and you're packing for your leisure activities as well as your sporting activities? I can find it hard to split the balance. Wondering as an aspiring leisure athlete, how you do it, Katie? Such a good question. And I'm so glad that you asked this. So it's all about what's underneath, in my opinion. So if it's a ski kit, and you have like a base layer that has, or like you can put like a cool turtleneck underneath it. And then you can just like rip the jacket off and you have this like look that's like waiting underneath. So you're like packing things that like have served two purposes always. Do you know what I mean? Like your ski kit is, yes, it's your outer layer or your like your stay dry and warm layer. And then the things that you pack to wear underneath it need to be the things that you can also like viably like cuff your ski pants and just have the turtleneck that you're wearing underneath and look cute and if the night went the whole night without like ever going home like you just have like a turtleneck that's like also very chic and cute that's like one way to do it is making sure that your base layers like can double as like going out shirts that like you could pull off wearing with your ski pants the other thing I try to do is like have your ski kits be like neutrals so that you can, like, again, get away with them feeling like they kind of play the whole the whole way through the evening. And there's something very cute, in my opinion, about being like, oops, I never went home. Like, I'm just in my ski gear, ski gear. But, like, it's still, yeah, it still looks cute. And so, like, tuck your sunglasses, tuck a, like, you know, small beanie in your jacket. And then you can have this, like, I'm so, I'm so spontaneous, like, look. <laughs> like after the fact that's one way um is like having your yeah having your basics like double and then the other thing is like just making sure that you don't feel like you need to dress for function all of the time like there are lots of options for mountain biking that can make you look like such a tool don't buy those buy this like like think outside the box of like how you dress for these things you know what i mean like I try now to wear some, like, if I'm wearing, like, you know, I actually, I should, I want to shout out to my friend Casey Brown. She's a professional mountain biker and she, I've seen her like throw events where she's like hitting huge dirt jumps in like a crop top, like collared button down. Um, Like it's like flowing in the breeze. It's like a paisley pattern with like white jeans. That's like how she rides like downhill sometimes. Like she looks so cute. And then she like can just go to a dinner after or go for a drink. You know what I mean? I'm just like, think differently about how you're dressing for the sport so that they also like are looks for the apres or the leisure. Such good advice. I love it. You're such a globe thought. Um, Okay. We have another one from the same girl. I'm headed to Revelstoke in late February with a bunch of friends who are intense and much more advanced skiers and snowboarders than I am. And so I was wondering if you have any hot tips for, 
you know, skiing and being on the mountain with people who are way more advanced than you and you don't want to get hurt, but you also, you know, you're there to hang. So if you have any <laughs> hot tips for that, that would be super appreciated. Been there many times. I think the biggest thing is before you get on this slope, have a conversation with yourself where you're not going to even try to keep up because that's how you get hurt. Um, once you've had that conversation for yourself, remember also what you bring to the group. I want you to have just a moment of being like, I bring great conversation. I bring, you know, a lot of thoughtfulness. I'm really fun to be around. Like they can fucking wait, you know, they can just deal with waiting for me. So have that conversation with yourself. So you don't feel like you're rushing through your entire holiday and feeling like you're putting yourself at risk. Um, and then I think just with this, just get comfortable with the idea of maybe spending some time alone. And having like, you know, maybe have like a book loaded onto your phone. So if you need to go chill in the lodge for a bit at the base, like you can get a drink and I don't know if you drink, but if you drink, you can get an Aperol spritz and go sit in the lodge and read a book and wait for your friends or if you need a break or there's really good burgers at the top of the, the gondola, like take a, lo take a longer lunch than maybe they would like appreciate the other parts of it that maybe they're just going to go and smash laps and you're going to really like soak up other parts of the ski hill and the experience of being here. Um, the other thing you can do is get on Tinder and pick up guys who are like willing to just ski at whatever pace you ski at so they can potentially get laid. Wait, I love, okay, love. That's such a great tip. If you're ever going with a, with to any kind of trip with people who are like, we're doing an activity and they're way more experienced, like, find a way to get your pussy pounded after by like inviting somebody who's like not trying to like do it well but just like trying to like be hanging out with you <gasps> good tip um we have another quick question and then we'll wrap it up we have a question from someone who says they live in a very so they go like adventure they do a lot of adventure sports but they find that um they're when they're going and they're spending a lot of time there it's like dark and gloomy and often like wintry places and they're feeling really depressed and their mental health is suffering from it. And if you have any tips on um, how to just keep your mental health up when you're staying in places that are a bit more like dark, gloomy, wintry places. Totally. Okay. Amazing question. Couple of things. I don't believe in this like vitamin D thing necessarily. I've heard it works like take I'm like okay take 25 vitamin d pills then a day because I'm like yo the fucking <laughs> the weather here is so aggressive like if you think popping like 100 milligrams of vitamin d is gonna sort me out like <laughs> yeah I got bigger I got bigger mental health problems than vitamin d can fix but so but combination wise get your get your supplements get your vitamins it's like um what's the one ps 100 5 http uh, vitamin D, um, iron, iron pills, uh, vein light. It's like really good for blood circulation. Like if you can like hit those in the morning, um, that can be really helpful just as like a supplementing your well being. Um, saunas are amazing for this because your body like thinks it's somewhere else. It's like thinks it's warm. It thinks it's safe. It like gets into a different state of existence than just being in this like survival of cold you know feeling or gloominess all the time it like feels very tropical it flushes out a lot of toxins saunas are amazing for this um or saunas in my opinion are amazing for mental health um 
those little uh, iguana lamps, you know, like the little, like you put them for your lizards. If you change out the bulbs in your bedroom that you read at night with, with the iguana lamp bulbs, you're like baking yourself. Like you're like a little tropical creature. And it like, again, tricks your body into feeling like it's in a different place. So that can be helpful. I've never tried the, um, I've never tried that like vitamin lamp or like whatever, because I've just heard the iguana lamp is like more effective and it's like a hack. You can get them for like 16 bucks on Amazon. You don't have to buy like a $300 like friendship lamp or whatever the hell. And um, the other one for me is weightlifting. Weightlifting has changed my life. It's like having something about having muscle in your body versus like smashing yourself with cardio like a an easy like a nice not easy lift but like a nice lift like weight lift just feels super yeah it's just like very um yeah it helps digestion it helps all this stuff that like can make you feel really bogged down so weightlifting and um I, I think the other thing with mental health for me like sometimes you just need to indulge yourself like fucking binge tv eat your ice cream do whatever you need to do, like survive, you know, like I'm like a very proactive depressed person sometimes. Like every time I feel like a little off, like if I don't feel ideal, I'm like, I need a healer. I need to do that. Like, I just like kind of go a little too hard versus like the other day I was like, why do I, why am I feeling my depression again? And I'm like, oh, because I just need to fucking sit on the couch for a day and indulge myself, you know? I love it. These are great, great answers. Um, Last but not least, I mean, I, I feel like I could ask you 4 billion more questions, but I know we've, we're <laughs> over and I know you have a life beyond me, which is honestly shocking, but I understand that <laughs> you have to tell yourself that. Um, but um, where are you going this year? Like what's, what are, what's up next? Where are you going? Where, where, what trips do you have planned? Like what's happening? What's on the I-10? So great question. Very exciting. In three weeks, I fly to Paris and I'm going to a town called Bun which is in Burgundy and I'm meeting a producer actor friend there who I'm developing a screenplay with and I'm going to Mexico city to get my eggs frozen because it's a life hack because it's like $6,500 in Mexico city to get your eggs frozen versus like 20 grand. Incredible. I'm going to go to Mexico city and freeze my eggs. That sounds great. Thank you for coming on the pod. And it was just so, such a pleasure. I feel like I, we're going to have to have you back to do more topics because I just feel like there's a million questions I could have asked you, but you know, it was a tapas of Katie. You are officially a global thought. Mazel tov. I am so honored. Thank you so much for having me. Where can people find you? My Instagram is Katie Burrell TV and same handle for TikTok. And if you feel so compelled, I have a website, katieburrelltv.com, where you can actually email me and it will be like semi-filtered, but I'll get to it. Amazing. Thank you again. We'll see you next week on Globe Thotting with Chelsea Frank. <laughs>